For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Thinking of starting a podcast? We'll try Anchor. It's free, easy to use, and its creation tools allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or computer. It'll even take care of distribution for you with a single tap so you can be heard on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Also, Anchor is the only place you can publish video podcasts directly to Spotify. Man, you can even make money using Anchor in a couple of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. It's truly everything you need in one place to make a podcast. So make sure to go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy Mac. Joining me today, my good old buddy, good old friend, good old pal, Corey Walsh of Fear the Sword, along with longtime friend of the pod, Dan Galinsky of King James Gospel. How you doing, fellas? Doing good, Mac. Thanks. Uh, thanks for that beautiful intro. I didn't <laughs> know I was going to have so many adjectives <laughs> to describe our relationship. <laughs> yep oh man you're special man what can i say you're in my you're in my heart wow <laughs> dan, likewise you to you <laughs> how you doing dan oh first the first minute or so dan's already on mute he doesn't he doesn't even want to be here look at that happily uh, happily be a solid third banana here <laughs> i'll take it all right, fellas. So I think we're about, what, five days away from the NBA draft lottery occurring. And we are all hoping collectively for some draft luck. But we also recognize that while this isn't necessarily a superstar latent draft, it is a fairly deep draft where many rotation players can be had. There is some star level potential towards the top. And towards the bottom, you could probably still snag somebody who could immediately uh, help out within the rotation. And so... With that being said, you know, I just kind of want to get your thoughts on a couple of things. Uh, first being, you know, the Caps have a very, very minimal chance of leapfrogging into the top four. As we all know, they're either going to pick in the top four or they're going to stay put at 14. And so my first question for you, fellas, is if they do somehow magically land in that top four range, which prospect makes the most sense and so dan i'm gonna hand this one off to you first man like who would be the best prospect out of that bunch of players and generally like we've we've all seen the mocks uh most of them have some variation of paulo benchero jabari smith chet holmgram uh jaden ivy keegan murray um and uh, man, I'm, I'm I'm spacing out on one of them but they've all really had some type of variation of that and so dan which prospect would make the most sense for the Cavs at this point in time? I think in that sense, I actually might go maybe against the grain here. Um, and I'll touch on that later, but I'd probably go there. Um, actually, Keegan, uh, just, mm-hmm. or I think he just has a ready-made skill set. Sk- not chat. <laughs> I'm thinking of chat. Um, skill set as a shooter, uh, just a really high IQ guy. Um, I, I really like what he'd provide could me. I don't, I'm a Lowry guy. Like I like him, um, but I'm just thinking down the road could maybe make him potentially expendable uh, maybe at the next deadline. So I'd probably go him there. Just, I just think he'll be a knockdown guy, which with this team uh, really could, could do well in that regard. And I think he'll project solidly against uh, opposing wings on the other end. Who would be the worst potential fit for the Cavs right now? Jaden Ivey, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. See, I, I kind of defer in that. I think Chet would be, like, among that group, I really mm. feel like Chet would be the worst possible landing, like uh, the worst prospect to, to nab at the top of that. I mean, I get, like, the appeal when it comes to him, but 
I, I really honestly see some red flags with this guy. Like I'm not. Hey, he could be at the three in some lineups. No joke. Like not even kidding at all. I'm gonna. Yeah, I was gonna ask if that was a joke. Obviously, but um, not with at, JB at his, man. At his size, well, he's listed at seven foot. I believe 195 pounds, maybe 200. Wherever you look, uh, but that's. I don't know, man. Like you're asking a lot of a guy to come out year one to to suit up at the three, and I I don't think he would displace Jared. You know, Evan Mobley ain't going nowhere. So I mean, to me, he would be coming off the bench, which probably isn't the worst thing uh, due to the Cavs' need for a backup. You know, a backup big. But at the same time, to me, dude is frail. Like maybe maybe I'm seeing something that that, that I'm just imagining to be a a problem that's not really something that's actually going to be a problem once you put some weight on but you guys tell me a little bit about shit like Corey, i'm gonna ask you this first like do you really think the guy is sustainable long term in the nba i think a lot of people have a sour taste in their mouth from how Kristaps porzingis has aged throughout his career to this point it seems like he breaks down every year <laughs> every time i'm sorry every time i hear Kristaps, i always think of that that lame ass song that <laughs> that they were playing when he was drafted you remember that the latvian national anthem yes. Mac, no you are, was, you are insensitive <laughs> that that Kristaps song that they were playing on ESPN. I, I can't remember what the words of it were. but I couldn't hear the song over the massive amount of boos that Knicks fans had for their future all-star player. <laughs> they were booing the shit out of him. They called yeah. Phil Jackson. That, that was probably Phil Jackson's best move as Knicks executive, and he got the most shit for it. Even though, like, I think two years later, they drafted Frankie Smokes, and people were much more upset about that pick at the time as well. Good but to see when, him getting some minutes the other day. Yeah. He is very integral for that uh, Dallas defense to somewhat operate because they they're like one of the best defensive teams in the West, honestly, and they're one yeah. of the most under talented teams left in the playoffs as well. It's really just Luca buoying up a bunch of role guys. Yeah. Uh, so Dan, are you kind of feeling the same way? You think like his game will translate to the NBA? I think so, just because it's been a concern throughout how it was um, in high school and AAU stuff. Um, I, I just think he's a, especially at the other, on the offensive end, he's going to be guarded by fours and fives. And I just think but with the way he can he? shoot it, like, like he handles the ball much. Like he, he actually has shake. I mean, he's got more than like, he almost functions as more so like when he has opportunities to be more of a wing, whereas KP is like, even earlier on, like, yeah, that was there. But if it, if he converted on the interior, it was from, like, offensive rebounds and, like, energy plays and, like, transition. Chet has a legit bag. And, like, if he gets the ball on the wing, he, he can actually operate in the PNR. Um, and I, I just think defensively, it's – he's more switchable than KP. And he just has – I understand he's frail. I'm not, I'm not denying that. He has ways to go. But <laughs> – he, in especially with other like functional wings around him, can be like that free safety type guy. And I, I understand that there's obviously concerns that his weight's going to be a problem. But he actually positionally, uh, as far as a rebounder, is much much more advanced than you think. Like that is my maybe biggest critique of Evan right now is defensive rebounding is a real problem. Yeah. And I don't see that with Chad actually. Like his positional awareness is there and there have been the same concerns about him at every level and he's in terms of skill is far more than than evan right now that's just that's just my opinion that's a fair assessment i don't think like for me like none of my reservations in regards to chat stem from a lack of skill or potential to me it's literally about how frail the man looks like i'm just trying to i'm racking my brain and i'm trying to think about similar like Kristaps was not that frail. He weighed more coming into the league. I'm telling you, Evan, two fifteen, well, at least listed at two feet, uh, two fifteen, coming out of USC. I have never seen a prospect with his unique body type that is being considered like to be a top five pick that has this type of skill set and, and it has this type of body type. So I'm just, I don't know, man. Like that's that's all my my issues with him is is just. If he does not manage to put on some type of muscle, some type of weight, I, I legitimately have concerns about his future in the NBA. 
Yeah, no, when I made the Kristaps point, I was more trying to say, like, I was just saying, I think people automatically look at uh, Holmgren and think, oh, white, tall forward (laughs) can stretch the floor. And they automatically make that correlation that they're going to break down as time goes on. Holmgren and Porzingis from a skill perceptive could not be any like further apart. Like Dan said, I kind of view Holmgren as like a Swiss army knife. He has a lot of tools in his bag and not, he may not necessarily be elite offensively at a lot of them, but there's a lot of sequences you watched with him at Gonzaga where he really like showed NBA type nimbleness in the paint. And I, he just has off the dribble moves that are insane to me. Like he can he has that Giannis type level where he can just take three steps from the three point line. He's at the rim and and the college level. That's obviously a lot easier for him than what it will be at the NBA <laughs> level, considering he is basically a twig. <laughs> but I think as time goes on, like these kids are so young that we can't say that Chet Holmgren is going to be a 200 pounder by the time he's like 21 or something. I mean, it's no, I don't. I mean, you look at a guy like even you mentioned Giannis. Giannis was a twig when he entered the league as well. And it took him a bit of time and dedication in the weight room to really beefing up. And I don't even know if you could really consider it that. He just really added a lot of muscle. Um, I think Chet is perfectly capable of doing that. We've already seen Evan Mobley put on what, like five to 10 pounds of muscle uh, since entering the league. So it's it's perfectly possible. And the, the kid has a lot of potential. It's just for me, uh, that would be my absolute like last pick uh, in terms of that top four range for the Cavs. And I get people are saying best player available, best player available. I get that, but they, he just wouldn't be my top pick, I guess. <laughs> I feel like Mobley being on the team kind of negates the need of Holmgren because I mm-hmm. feel like in some way the two of them in terms of what they'll serve the Cavs would be kind of the same. I don't see that. JB is going to be super attached to the seven footers at the three through five for that much longer. I mean, when uh, who I would think the Cavs would probably look at closer is someone like Boncaro. Personally, I feel like Boncaro has more of an NBA build for like a three than Lowry Markinen does per se. Cause Lowry, yeah. like he looks and plays like a power forward that pretty much is stuck at the three because he refuses to play post. <laughs> <laughs> And I feel like Boncaro, I mean, he like when you watched him in college, he just looked like an NBA level player in terms of build yeah. playing with a bunch of college players that were going to be accountants in like two years from now. Six foot and, ten, um, 250 pounds. He's built like an, an uh, NBA player. The issue with Boncaro to me, though, is his mindset isn't of the NBA player. Like when you watch Javen Ivy, Javen, Jaden Ivy, for example, in the tournament, that dude acted like he was the only good player on that Purdue team. And I felt like when I watched Duke at times, Boncaro really kind of blended into the background. I'm like, is this dude going to want to take over at any point in the game whatsoever? Which I guess in a way for this Cavs team is fine because we don't need our rookie to come in and try to be the alpha of this team. But at the same time, the Cavs definitely need this draft pick to hit. I think they're going to try to aim for a small forward. I don't see in which any way in which they're not trying to find someone to be the long-term solution. Cause I don't think anyone in that organization thinks that Lowry at the three is something that will continue past this upcoming season. It's certainly possible. And another scenario I kind of wanted to throw out there is if they do end up in the top four, can you see the team trying to package that uh, that pickup with a player to try and acquire like a a ready-made star right now at the three? I personally would. I because I feel like I look at these top four, and yeah, it'd be nice to be in the top four, but who who do would you like? We all would probably pick Lowry to be the one dropped from the starting five if we landed in the top four, but. It, like, what are we supposed to do with Jabari Smith? He will probably play power forward in the NBA. Yeah. We're going to slot him at the three as well. Are we going to – like, Boncaro would have to play the three. Holmgren would have to play the three. Unless and you're then, bringing him off the bench in a super sub role, which is – it's possible, but I don't see it being a long-term, uh, like, viable option, you know? And then, I'm like, actually it, not that high on Jabari Smith, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I actually <laughs> see him as being a vastly overrated prospect. I don't really, really see – I don't actually think like on ball he's going to be close to what people think. Like like for his size, there's actually not like inside of about 15 feet. It's at the NBA level. I think he's actually going to have a lot of problems. Like I think his his ceiling is vastly overhyped. That's just my like. I think Keegan Murray has a way higher ceiling. Like it, it, like he'll at minimum like I think honestly at minimum be like a 
Roko type. Like it, Do you think error, he starts error, immediately error, error. over Lowry if drafted? I don't think I'm, I think Lowry like day one next season is is your three. Like I think they're gonna because I think it was Kelsey Russo that pointed out recently in like one of her mailbags that um, when the like the tall ball three of them together had like a one hundred two defensive rating. So uh, like Lowry defensively, I, I, I get that it was probably the system they were just kind of forcing funneling things to the two bigs. But he, he held up okay, and yeah. I, I don't I don't know if Murray's like a ready made starter from day one, regardless of situation. But um, if they went that route, I I can't really blame him. Okay, yeah, I mean that's fair. Uh, I mean Lowry, um, for all his deficiencies on that end, um, you know, playing in the traditional three role, it works just because it's such a unique problem for uh, opposing teams to kind of deal with. How do you deal with three seven footers? Um, you know, in that regard, but there's, there's a lot of options in regards to what the Cavs could do if they did slide up to that top four spot. But I think, um, you know, the three of us, we're kind of, I, I don't well, I just raise one question. Sure. If they get a top four pick, do you think there's a possibility they could end up with Brandon Ingram out of that? Cause to me, that's, that's like the move. No, like that's I like don't. the dream. For yeah, I don't. I um Mac, you go first. <laughs> oh, okay. Thanks, man. I, I was just gonna say, um, I think that New Orleans is content to see next season what Zion, CJ, and Brandon can look like as a big three. Um, I think there's a lot of viability in them making the playoffs next season. Uh in the top six. Uh, you know, if Zion comes back in shape, obviously. And actually in a good mindset. So, no, I don't think they really want to move him. Do I think they could be enticed into it? Yes. But as we all know, they're not. he's not going to come cheap. It's going to take a lot more than a top four pick, even a number one overall pick. In oh, yeah. Opinion. So you wouldn't just entertain like a signing trade for Kyrie instead. I'm, I'm joking completely. <laughs> but that that live stream is hilarious the other day. I think. It looked, those impressions actually from him were pretty funny. Yeah. Um yeah, just for in regards to New Orleans, I think it, it would just cost a lot, man, to 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 get Brandon, but it's possible. Yeah, no, I was gonna say the minute that New Orleans traded for McCullum, that kind of locked into me that Brandon Ingram's going nowhere because you don't trade for CJ McCullum just to have a CJ McCullum and Zion Williamson duo. That doesn't really scream anything but like eight to through ten seed of the West. And after the way that that series went against Phoenix, it kind of felt in an ironic way, kind of felt like how the bubble Phoenix team, those are like the vibes that you kind of got from New Orleans and their upper management from that that series. So I would think that they're just going to run it back and think, well, if we include this all-star level player in Zion, who easily could be the best player on this team, that we want to see what this looks like. And then if it turns into what it looked like two seasons ago, where Ingram looks like a kind of an awkward fit where he wants to be the alpha of the offense, but then it has to watch Zion operate pick and rolls. And Zion averaged 27 plus in his last, like close to healthy season. Yeah. And Zion, like the thing with Zion is he's only going to be really effective also with the ball in his hands as he does like the Giannis type offense. If I'm just going to run straight through you. And if you want to stop me, that's fine, but you're probably going to draw a foul as well. And Ingram definitely flourished in this. I'm going to the alpha of the new Orleans offense this season. So it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic evolves because it's easy to say that it could go 50, 50 with that. Like maybe Ingram's not happy with how new Orleans is using him next season, but now he knows what he's like. Now teams know that he can contribute to a playoff team when it matters most. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> let's not forget about Larry. <laughs> Larry dance was a baller in these playoffs uh, while the new Orleans was still in. New Orleans has a ton of good role players. And now that they have CJ kind of as like third banana, kind of, that's awesome stuff. The Belverado thing on, on TNT. I I don't know if it was scripted, but even if it was, it was, it was good content. Yeah. I don't, did he give any analysis or did he just come for the steal? And then that was it. Cause I, I just (laughs) saw that. I don't honestly remember, but I don't, I don't think so. I think it just kind of, I think it was just like a little bit, who knows. That's yeah. I would love to see Alvarado just analyze Chris Paul. <laughs> just being like this. Uh, be like, you guys I, I remember? Can't remember really. If you yeah, like, right. remember when my lip was bleeding, guys? And I like pointed out to the entire arena like six times. I still have the scar. If you guys want to see it, Jeez Louise. Yeah, he's 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 a cold hero for sure. He's like love that, the, love that he. 
He's like Patrick Beverly for the the Pelicans, pretty much. Except like he's like he's not a dick, Phil. Like no, he's just like that antagonist, though. Like he's a pest. Oh yeah, he's their new Delhi. Their Delhi for sure. Oh, for like, sure. Actually, like is kind of like kind of an offensive player, kind of. I think he's yeah, probably more talented. a higher ceiling than Delhi for sure. Oh. oh, he could be like a very solid. Like he, he could be in the league in ten years. I wouldn't be necessarily shocked if he stays like relatively healthy, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah, he develops like a slight offensive game, that'd be huge. But he's already a good defensive stopper. And between that and Herb Jones, like what more could New Orleans need for defensive pieces? And Larry. Yeah, a lot of people like to discuss the Cavs, young core, and as much as I hate bringing them up, the Rockets' young core as being some of the, you know, some of the best young cores in basketball. But not a lot of people are talking about New Orleans and some of the pieces they have. So, And they have a unique mixture. They have CJ. Detroit with Miles Bridges is going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I, uh, I, I was going to say Houston is going to really have to 180 themselves after talking all this shit about Evan Mobley only to get the uh, great value version of Evan Mobley and Chet Holmgren. Oh, I'm not touching that one. That was uncalled for. Maybe they should just finish their game. Like they should just have games to 36 minutes and then that can then send goons in the who Hall wins, of Fame automatically. Like, who wins after 36 minutes wins? I think that's actually pretty good. Dude, that Jalen Green and Sangoon are the new Kobe and uh, Shaq. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You heard it here first. Oh, yeah. So, um, like I was saying earlier in regards to the Cavs, like the, the more likely scenario for them is to stand still at 14. Um, that's by far, from a mathematical standpoint, where they're probably going to end up. And so, obviously, there are some guys here that could immediately step into the rotation Maybe not as starters, but they could immediately step into the rotation and have a positive impact for the Cavs. So, Corey, I'm going to go to you first, man. Who would be your ideal prospect at 14? I mean, I feel like I'm just beating the same name into like to death pretty much. But Okjai Abaji to me is always like the player I just find myself going back to. He doesn't feel like he's like a reach at all either i feel like he kind of fits needs for the Cavs in a way that like we just need a playoff ready player someone i don't need him necessarily to be a major contributor i just need him to check some boxes that the Cavs certainly need and that's three-point shooting and someone who can be a good perimeter defender and nick baji at kansas throughout the entire tournament and the regular season has shown flashes of being able to do both and you always find with those uh older players those 20 year starter Yep. Yeah, you always find that those players can just step in because they're already towards like the heading. They're like two years away from hitting their prime pretty much. So while the ceiling's not that high on like if he's not going to be like a star level player, he can always just like being a serviceable player. The minute you step in helps a lot that you don't have to like like we'll use Isaac Okoro as an example. Not to throw shade at Isaac here, but like his ceiling's way higher than Agbaji's is. But I feel like Agbaji could step into the league and be a, a better player in his first season by like a mile than a core. So you think was. the floor, like the floor, is already at sec, like uh, not second, already at a core level? Uh, oh no, I'm saying comparative to first season of Isaac okay. to first season of Agbaji. I think Isaac is obviously probably now like. He's definitely more he, – he is elite at certain things already, but I wouldn't say he's at his ceiling yet at okay, all. Okay, so, yeah, for Agbaji, just a couple of things. He, Like I mentioned, he is a four-year starter, so that helps having a little bit more of an experienced guy coming out of college. He did manage to shoot 40.7% from three-point range this past season, and one thing to note about that is it's not just like a flash-in-the-pan type of season which he shot really well. He's actually experienced like exponential growth all four seasons. Uh, this guy has managed to add on to that three-point percentage every season he played. And you, you love to see that. It's progression. It's it, it means that the guy obviously can get better. I don't know how much better you're going to shoot than 40.7% once you get to the NBA, but it's a good thing for the Cavs to kind of keep an eye on. And at that, you know, we talked about Isaac Okoro a lot this season, uh, you know, managing to improve to 35% on low volume. Agbaji is the converse. Six and a half attempts from three-point range this season. High That's volume. exactly what I was going to say. I was going to yeah. say that like we sit here and like praise Isaac for raising up to 35%, but it's on such a low volume, and we just need volume shooting. Like I don't care if like we'll say like hypothetically if Boncaro shot like two threes a game, but he was like a 54% three-point shooter. I would not care. I just want someone who's willing <laughs> to throw him up. 
And we don't have a lot of people on this team willing to do that unless it's Jetty Osmond running around with his head cut off. And I'd like someone with a more <laughs> solid base pretty much. And Akbaji just, I don't know. He, I, Dan probably is going to say the opposite based off his face, but I feel like Akbaji really kind of checks those boxes for me. I mean, yeah. Um, the thing about Akbaji too, that I have to point out here, and I'll get to the latter portion of this question after Dan gives his response um, he's a guard, six foot five, listed around two ten. Uh, I'll get to the the reason why that's important here in a minute. But Dan, who would be your prospect? I mean, ideally, it's got to be Ben Matherin. I just think it's it, the one to curve there, ball. <laughs> there's, I, I, it's actually like the opposite end of my uh, the spectrum to my argument before, and that I think in this area, I don't know if he'll be there, um, but. I just think it's like here. I, I personally don't know if this is going to be like a real like rotational guy next season for the Cavs if they keep the pick. Mm-hmm. So I would much rather them either get like a guy like Ty Ty um, or Ben Matherin just because like Matherin, like not all, I'm not saying like a like like all of his threes were catch and shoot because that's <laughs> not the case, but like Matherin is like a real shot creator. And I think mm-hmm. he's like a bailout option in like set offense. And that's something obviously not having Colin hurt in that regard, but I just think with this guy, he's six, seven um, is really, really like just really, really athletic. And in both set offense and transition, I just think he, he just brings pop to you. Now there's going to be streakiness, yeah. but I mean, he was a two year starter and this year, obviously it was his leap year. But he has a level of athleticism that we don't like, – it, it, even for NBA standards, is, is pretty legit. And I just think with Abaji, like, he, he's fine. Like, I'd be fine if they took him. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with it. But I don't – like, I think in this area, I'd rather the Cavs honestly make kind of a swing because Matherin can be a guy that is, like, like a almost, like, go like a legit second option in a couple of years. And – I mean, even in this situation. So, like, to me, I'd rather them go there just because, like, he, he's a volume shooter from deep as well and gets to the free throw line a hell of a lot um, and had to defer at times on that team. Um, I just think with him, like, you just see pop. Like, you have, you have like, legit, like, all-star level, like, potential. And I think mm-hmm. here, like, he's not great defensively, but – I think with like the the Frobley duo behind him, I think with other size around him, he he can like it, he's he can be fine. I, I'm not really, I think, like I'm, I wouldn't not pick him because of that he's fine. <laughs> um, I, I just I really like his game. I think he's, I, I think he can be a, like a star legitimately. And I, I don't really know if there's a lot of guys in that range. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the same with Ty Ty. Obviously, that's a whole different conversation, but. We'll get to uh, that. that that's that's the dude I think is a wing shooter. Like he's like a like Boyan Bogdanovich archetype guy, I think, could be for this team. Ty yeah, Ty he's also or, a very good defender too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if that if that's gonna translate from like day one, but I think with the Cavs infrastructure around him, I think like when they're reasonably healthy, he he'll be he'd be fine. Totally fair. Um, for me, you know, I, I kind of defer from both of those options. I did have Ogbaji listed as my number one prospect at 14 for a while. But, man, after compiling everything I did on Terry Eason, I really kind of fell in love with what he could bring to the table. I mean, dude. It's a close one for me with him. He's that dude. Yeah. he like, um, Literally out of the gym. In 24, he did this in 24 minutes, 24.4 minutes per game. He put up 16.9 points. That's to me, and it's not like insane volume either, 11.1 field goal attempts. Uh, Very, very good in regards to what he's able to bring to the table in that regard. That end, I mean, he's already, you don't really have to sell him on a backup role. He was the sixth man of the year uh, for the SEC. So that's that's a big deal to me. And in regards to what we all know the Cavs need, three-point shooting at a pretty high volume at a considerably good rate. That's one of the aspects of his game that definitely could warrant some growth. Now, he shot north of 35, well, right around 36%, but it was also on low volume, 2.4 attempts per game. So for him, 
the shot could probably translate to the NBA, but he's not going to shoot the lights out like an Abaji or Malachi Branham, uh, which is another guy who a lot of people are linking to Cleveland at 14. But uh, to me, that's the guy who on both ends of the floor could really have a good impact from day one. I don't, and again, I do not think you have to remove Lowry uh, from the starting lineup for this guy to immediately step into the, uh, to the rotation. Yeah, I don't see with any of the prospects that the Cavs will select at 14 if any of them will get like even six man minutes off the bat. I feel like they're no. all going to come in probably playing like 10 to 15 a Lamar-ish. game. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe like depending on how they look at JB in the hallway before the game kind of vibes because it feels like everyone, if they look at JB the wrong way, they're going to be in the doghouse for an unlimited <laughs> amount of time. Uh, Dylan and Dean. <laughs> Dylan, Dean, Jetty, Lamar, <laughs> rotate that cast around. Why, why not add a fifth person in there to make it more fun? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, we, we, we are looking at all these prospects here at 14. But to me, one of the kind of unanswered questions here in regards to exactly and from a positional standpoint who they might select is, well, if you do kind of go guard um, with that pick, what does that leave you? in regards to Colin Sexton, like in, in regards to role, uh, does it make you feel a little bit better if he, if he ends up not re-signing? Oh, looks like we just lost Dan. <laughs> it's all right. We'll just, we'll plow through. Play <laughs> yeah. It'll come back. Uh, but in regards to what the team's plans are in regards to Colin, does that kind of throw a wrench in things? Like let's say if they do select Abaji, who is at six foot five and could be pretty much considered a two guard. Um, what does that leave you in regards to him? What does that leave you feeling like? See, I don't, when I, when I think of us drafting a guard, I don't think about Colin. I think more about Karis Mm -hmm. per se, because I feel like whoever we drafted Karis to kind of be this, uh, not officially backup point guard type where he's going to be a primary ball handler. Colin's always going to operate secondary. And I feel like if it's someone like Ty Ty Washington, for example, I feel like Colin and him could kind of work together still because there's really going to be like, you could just run a secondary version of Darius and Colin or vice versa, pretty much between three guards that all can score whatever they'd like to. You can kind of like, you could see him if they strike out on Rubio or if Rubio's not healthy, if they do bring him back, Ty Ty is a guy you would want to consider in regards to like a backup point guard kind of role. Yeah, no, it's like it's pretty interesting because I I don't know about you, Mac, but I kind of consider Ty Ty like it sounds like a lazy comparison, but I kind of sound I I feel like Quigley is a good like archetype Daniel. for what Ty T- could be, and I feel like he that type of player always can provide a punch to any team regardless of the guards you already have in the room. I mean, it probably means that Karis needs to go. In my honest opinion, if we draft another guard, I don't need four guards that all want to score the ball. Because like that's just a lot of minutes spread out, and that- that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, Karis is only on the books for one more year, so I think that if they do end up selecting another guard, you can probably see the writing on the wall on the wall in regards to his future with the Cavs. Yeah, and to go back to your Tari Eason point. Um, I feel like, for, at least from what I've seen, that Eason doesn't seem like he's going to even be selected until like the twenties. So if the Cavs really like Eason, I could see them even trading back to try to or swap picks with someone who's trying to crack into the top 14 for someone else. That's fair too. I mean, like we really like this draft to me has kind of stumped me in regards to like scouting, just because I feel that there is, you really do not know how highly these teams covet certain players in, in that range. Yeah. I, um, I've looked at tankathon for the past few weeks, just like, not even just playing the roulette game of trying to pretend the Cavs are going to get a top four pick. It's more to like also see they have like their custom rankings and even they have like the top tier as just being Holmgren and Jabari Smith. And then the the next three are Boncaro, Ivy and um, oh my God, I'm blanking on the the third guy but that yeah it's murray and then uh they have their tier three is ridiculously long nobody mentioned tonight shaden sharp yet you guys i was considering him like in that top four range too but i just i don't know like for the Cavs in particular like that seems way more like an like an okc or detroit like if i were detroit i that's personally who i'd probably go with but who knows? The Cavs are like at the point where I feel like we can't just keep 
drafting these projects because our timeline is starting exactly, to become yeah. more apparent. And mm-hmm. while it's fun to draft players with insanely high upside, but insanely low floors, the Cavs are at like, this draft is a luxury to us at this point. It really is. So we shouldn't take our luxury in my opinion as being like, let's take a swing on someone that could be an absolute zero. It should be someone that's like at least guaranteed to be a contributor in some playoff series, because we already have, like a lot of project players that we're still developing. So I don't really Okoro is still falling within that line of thought too. I mean, we literally saw him practically benched uh, at, at any given point during those playing games. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like it's just not time to do that. <laughs> I don't know. In all seriousness, it might end up being like the Cavs looking for like their max truce, so to speak. Like I, I could see that type of dude in Kind of where they're at. And based yeah, on mean, the Miami pipeline, you don't even have to draft those players. Yeah, I guess it's just it's just the hashtag <laughs> heat culture. So who knows? Even, you know, I, I I hate to make this comparison because you guys know how much I hate the Warriors, but it's almost similar to to that. Like this is a team that, as Corey said, this is kind of a luxury. Um, you see how guys like Jonathan Kaminga. Uh, are factoring into the rotation now. Maybe not somebody you would thought would make the playoff rotation or somebody who contribute heavily. But the Cavs, as Corey, you also said, they need somebody who can step in uh, and, and provide at least 10 to 15 minutes in that type of setting. And this is not the time to kind of, uh, you know, wait for another guy to develop. You you really want to see kind of a ready-made prospect. So, Can I just ask one one question real quick? Sure. If you don't mind. If he's there, well, I, I think he probably will be there, but would you consider for the Cavs like Jovich at all? I've seen people make that point. But like, it it, it is intriguing to some degree. I can't lie. Like, if you're going to grab him, I feel be, like you can like trade back for him. Uh, I, I'm torn because like, he could have a really, really high ceiling. Like There's a lot there. Like, it, like he his shot – like the splits aren't great, obviously – but if you look at like the shots that in the playmaking stuff from him, it's almost like like Poku, but with like kind of an NBA body type. <laughs> like his shots are not catch and shoot, like stand in the corner threes or like coming around like a pin down getting caught. It's like they're tough shots, and he has like a legit like legit fadeaway. Like he he attempts tough plays. Like it's intriguing a little bit. But you think he's going that high? You think he's going in top fourteen range? Uh, I, I think so. I think he very well could. Like I think some team is going to take kind the of swing. Guy that that I, if if I were a team rebuilding, that's like the perfect guy. Because he's six, that's the key legit word. Six, you said two. rebuilding. I don't consider oh, I, I the, for the caps. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. I'm just saying, like, if he is there, I, I can't necessarily like. Given based on what you guys have been saying, we don't know. If, 100% if this will be a rotational guy. Maybe you, it's a draft and stash guy. I don't know. But it's it, a 6'10", like, kind of wing, like, slash point forward guy. I mean, it is it is a luxury, obviously. But if you see long-term Lowry as being expendable, that could kind of be your ideal guy, really. There's a few out there. I mean, Usman Dang, Usman Dang, uh, he kind of fits that kind of point forward role too. I mean, I could definitely see the Cavs maybe thinking he's a draft and stash, kind of let kind of simmer on the bench a little bit. Corey, I know you're going to say something. Oh, no, I was just so glad that Dan brought up the Poku comparison because that's exactly <laughs> what I've been thinking when I read this draft stuff. It's like almost copy and paste from the same people being like, dude, the ceiling on this guy could be absolutely ridiculous. And then you just watch the highlights of him on YouTube and you feel like you're just watching him dunk on seventh graders. And you're like, well, this probably won't translate, but this is what people said when Giannis was drafted. They're like, look at Giannis's film. He looks like he's playing against a bunch of kids who've never played basketball in their lives. And Jovic definitely shows flashes of being a really fun player. I just think, you know, it's kind of tough to judge certain players based on the film that you're watching. You're kind of just really taking leaps of faith and Jovic defensively is not the best. And that just to me kind of makes me think the Cavs are going to stray away. Cause if there's something this team doesn't need, it's another big that plays little to no defense. Yeah. I mean, 
There's really a lot of different avenues you could go with this pick. Gilovich is somebody you could probably consider, although my my opinion of him is that I don't think he'll go that high, but you guys think he might, which could very well be the case. Um, this is kind of how it is with a lot of these guys. Yeah, I just think you can't you can never like you can think something, but you know some NBA team out there is spending their time talking themselves into like True. now we, we could sell the fans on Jovic because it's pretty <laughs> close to Jokic. We we could just get some merch going. Could be a typo. Yeah, could like, be a we typo. Could, we drafted the MVP, <laughs> two-time MVP. And uh yeah, you know, because like, you know, honestly, off the top of my head. Like Jovic screams to me a player that someone like Sacramento would draft and be like, this is the best pick that we've gotten in a long time. And then have you, ever, then have you seen the have you seen the Shaq bit on the Vich shit? No. Oh my god, it's funny. It, he just basically says, like, if you get a Vich, they're gonna be able to shoot. Like that's <laughs> he said, whenever I had a Vich with me, I know where I was kicking it to. Okay. All right. Yeah, I see where you're going with that. Yeah, that that makes That's, sense. All that is fair, though. I, I, yeah, defensively, he's gonna be like a sieve for probably four years. <laughs> Just keep that in the back of the shed. We'll see Alrighty. how it goes. Um, so we know towards the bottom of this draft, not even in the first round, the second round, the Cavs have two picks right now, currently at, I believe 39th. And I think the last time I checked 58th, it keeps flip-flopping, keeps changing. It could very well change again by the time the season is over. Uh, but with that said, do you guys see them making both of those selections or consolidating that into maybe one or maybe not even a selection at all in the second round? Dan, I'll go to you first. Uh, it's, it's it's tough to say. Um, I, I could maybe see them kind of doing the like selling of it technically, quote unquote. Um, but if you get a guy, say like the 39th pick, like um, I've been saying Dalen Terry uh, for the longest that's, time. That's a decent one. Um, I, I really like uh, I mean, if they want to go with kind of like a swing, so to speak. Um, Bryce McGowan's out of Nebraska. I think he could be like a rotational shot creator. It theoretically like the two or three um, kind of has tall vision, but again, is another one of those prospects that took uh, difficult shots. They weren't like, they were more so on ball stuff. And obviously like the stats were kind of juiced, but I, I think he could be a guy there. Um, another one could be Christian Brown. I, I actually really like him a lot. Um, the is kind of like a a bit of a tweener, two three tweener, um, but I, he's a dude I, I really like. And I, I don't know why I really like him so much, but like Jalen Williams for the second second, if they, if uh, they actually do keep that, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that is like a perfect stretch five potential guy. Like I think he is more of a not. Like like before, like a like an upswing, like in that late round, like Killian Tilly from back when. Um, that like I just think he he can be switchable in theory. Um, I, I just think it's like an energy big could end up being a a nice selection there. Um, that that's one that really really comes to mind. Yeah, you're you're throwing darts when you get to that range. Yeah, like, Corey, how oh, about yeah you? for sure. I mean, the obvious uh, courting of Mobley's next max contract is to just draft his brother Isaiah, at the yeah. back. And But it, from players that I've always liked, Johnny Juzang out of UCLA is someone that I think would help the Cavs a lot because he's just an insanely efficient three-point shooter. He's a good shot creator. I mean, he basically was the UCLA team for the past few years. And I've just been watching him in the tournament and I've always walked away from him thinking that he's like, he could step in and just be that, that like 10 minute a game type swing a game of his shots fall type player. And he's pretty good off the dribble too. I mean, like you said, we're kind of throwing darts, but I, he's a senior also. I feel like I'm always, or no, he's a junior, but I feel like at the back end, I kind of want those like senior junior level players that you can always just kind of hope that they're what you're watching is what will translate. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, in in my opinion, I have the Cavs, you know, making two selections. I think they'll end up making obviously the first rounder, um, unless some type of miraculous jump happens and they trade it for somebody. I don't think that'll happen though. That's possible. 
So I have them making two selections. I already said I have them selecting Terry Eason with number 14. I do have them using the early second round pick on Dalen Terry, but there are some, you know, some of the guys at that fringe uh, second round, you know, into the second round for me are obviously Isaiah Mobley. There's a lot of family tie there. Obviously you would probably get some good, good faith in Evan Mobley kind of add to the uh, extension down the line there. That really helps out Um, a name to me. And I cannot for the life of me understand why this dude is not getting a little bit more, more uh, attention is Kofi Coburn. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not think he will be drafted. I think he's going to go undrafted, but I definitely feel like the Cavs should bring him in for evilly, at least a workout because in, in watching him and seeing kind of how he's developed at Illinois, um, one thing is incredibly impa- apparent to me, and that is he can play defense. So he would kind of solve the equation of what Moses Brown was kind of lacking uh, from a paint protection standpoint, and he can run the pick and roll. Like, this dude is one hell of a lob threat. I could definitely see him. Let's say you do have uh, a wealth of guards. You you draft a Dale and Terry, or, you know, you have DG running with the bench a lot. Maybe even Colin um, running with a lot of the second unit. Huge lob threat. Yeah, when I look at Kofi Coburn, I always think he kind of gives me, like, Bismack Biombo type vibes in terms Seven of what he'll contribute. Almost 300 pounds. Yeah, you like that type of archetype in the NBA. The, like you'll stick around in the league for a long time. It's not going to be like a cornerstone for you, but it's someone that always will help fill a role that your team needs. And this Cavs team definitely needs a backup big that's willing to put his body in front of players. He's and a bruiser. I 100% agree with you that that's someone I'd like. It's just, it's so weird to me how some of the most dominant met, uh, big men in college never seem to get the respect from the NBA teams and have to grind their way to the top. This guy put up 20 plus points per game and 10 rebounds in his last season it, uh, with Illinois. And he's not taken any perimeter shots at all. Literally. I, I looked this up. I did all the research on this dude. One three point attempt in his time with Illinois. Really? No jump shots. He, wants. <laughs> he does all of his work in five uh, within five feet of the basket, and he's scoring 20-plus points per game, surely off of physicality, brute force, <laughs> and dominating in the paint. Crazy. See, I just want hardback. I mean, hardback would be a sneaky great ad. He's like, going to call. He is a legitimate mid-level. Like, I, high. Don't think he, I don't think he's going to. I, really I think don't. he will, man. You don't I think, think so? He'll, I think he'll probably still be a minimum guy. I, I know that sounds harsh. I. What does this man have to do to get paid? <laughs> what is what does I, he got to do to I get don't paid? Know, but it, I, but he like he there's there's so much there. Like he'd be such a tremendous if they did nothing in free agency other than that. It could add a lot to us. Like he's a legit offensive hub. Like to me in my backup five, ideally I'd love that. Like I'm fine with bringing Moses back and say if it's another two way. Um, I, he actually showed some stuff, but I'll yeah, I'm not gonna good. lie. I really don't see Kofi Coburn as, a, as an NBA player in any way. I just, I just don't. I just think he's gonna get abused on the other end of the floor. People are gonna, he's gonna have to get through cross screens. Like he's just gonna, his conditioning isn't great as far as that. And I, I just think he's, he, he is like a Marquise Bolden in my opinion. Like I, I don't, I don't, oh, hell yeah, I don't see <laughs> anything translating there at all. But if you want, if you want to have him at the Cleveland charge, I'd happily watch him. Well, to me, that's the thing. Like you're, if you're talking about bring, because I think he will go undrafted. If you're talking about a guy to kind of bring in for a workout, maybe summer league, baby. Yeah, um, you could definitely. What's see Matt Ryan up to? There. <laughs> definitely He's just waiting upside. by the phone. Definitely more <laughs> more upside than Matt Ryan, but uh, yeah. <laughs> charge anybody taken there anybody even with that last like the late second probably charge maybe even maybe the first we should just second. bring sean marks like off the bench while we're at it too <laughs> get him out of that gm spot because him and Kyrie are probably going to be in fisticuffs pretty soon anyhow so. Kyrie's going to end up in la uh just wait he's going to end up with lebron just wait no he's going to get traded for lebron because that's what phil jackson wants is to get rid of lebron <laughs> and skip bayless says lebron can't have any of those ruffles 
no, no, those yeah. New, those new flavors are that new flavor is unreal. It's so I haven't tried them yet. It is damn fucking good. They go really good with a uh, what is LeBron Sprite Cherry Sprite? Oh um, yeah, I yeah, believe so. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah LeBron Skip, Lemonade. Skip's gonna be Lightning in, LeBron. In four hours, that? So. Yeah, Skip well, Bayless is gonna post a shirtless pic of him by the mirror talking about how LeBron isn't in the gym like he is. <laughs> M- MJ forever, baby. His two oh two wake up call. It's like what in the why? What are you doing? Like what? What is that? Him and Shannon Sharp are quite a pair because Shannon Sharp is also the guy who takes a picture of his breakfast every morning and posts it to Instagram. Right. Isn't it like the same thing? Yeah, it's the same thing every day. Oh. The only thing that changes is the shoes that he's wearing. Ugh. Interesting. They're quite a pair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they feed but, off of each other. Well, I mean, I definitely like their fit together more than some other uh, shows we know that talk sports. So, Mad Dog. <laughs> Don't oh, get me man. started on that guy. <laughs> He's nothing without Francesa. It's all downhill. <laughs> exactly. Um, that's it. Bob Cousy is the best point guard in the history of the NBA. Tell that's me about since 1958. Whatever the hell he said. Well, now that we know that Dan practices this impression, uh, <laughs> I can do Mike Francesa. You can be my mad dog. Just be like, oh, what do we got here, Mike? What's the, what's the deal with Bob Cousy? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my word. That, that's, that's a good one, actually. Wow. That, that was good, too. I'm going to yeah. have to watch some Sopranos after this, too. Like, <laughs> my, my uncle probably is right now. Kick him off the HBO Max. <laughs> Oh man. Oh man. So there you guys have it. Um, those are our thoughts in regards to the Cavs draft considerations. A lot of this can obviously change depending upon the results of the draft lottery. Again, we're all hoping on some luck here, but like I said, to start this off, there are a, a lot of options here, even if the Cavs stay at 14. Uh, that said, like we always tell you guys, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can at it's cavalier underscore pot on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. You want to be added to the It's Cavalier Discord chat, you know what to do. Leave a rating, leave a review, send a screenshot to itscavalier53 at gmail.com, and we will personally invite you to that. Have a good night.